The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Good morning to you once again. This is Freedom 106.5 FM and this is Human Impact. And we have online Mr. Jody White and his guest. So we take you straight into agribusiness innovation. Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome to another installment of Agribusiness Innovation here on Freedom 106.5 FM. I don't know if you ever realize that at a certain time of the year when you go to the beach, there's this seaweed and it makes bathing unpleasant. And it's a problem that has been affecting many parts of the Caribbean up to the U.S. and People don't have a solution yet for it, but there are some trailblazers who have been finding uses for this to help us alleviate this problem. And here with us this morning, we have Miss Janique A. Mayers, who's a trilingual communications luminary from Trinidad and Tobago, with an illustrious career arc that covers over 15 years of strategic communication and conference interpreting. From the vantage point of the interpreting booth, Janique has soaked up wisdom from experts across the Caribbean region and indeed the globe. In every field of knowledge, including sargasm research, today she puts that expertise to practical use in teaming up with her business partner to launch Spargasm, Trinidad and Tobago's first brand of spa products made from sargasm seaweed. So Janique, welcome to our show. Thank you, Jody, and good morning to you. Good morning to your listeners. My first question is, how did you go from your, I guess, your regular job, which was communications, and I see you're trilingual, into this section of owning Spargasm? It's a very long story, but I'll give you the executive version. Um, as you said in, in the intro, I have had the privilege of interpreting for conferences where scientists were discussing this um, sargassum phenomenon. And so I literally was able to soak up, you know, all of all of these discussions. Um, this was back in 2021, uh, where, uh, of course, in the midst of COVID, these meetings were happening virtually online. And I was just so fascinated by all that was being shared. Of course, it was confidential at the time. Um, but I was soaking it up quietly and I started doing my own kitchen experiments, eating sargassum, making things, um, you know, harvesting sargassum at the beach. I live in Tobago, so I can literally see the sargassum floating on the water coming into shore. So I was, you know, doing my own experiments at home until I started seeing some of this confidential information was then made public in the public domain. And I thought, oh, now I can do something about it. So what was the journey like from actually having this idea into actually having products in hand? Well, it started with some brainstorming. Um, it's a very cute story with a girlfriend. We, My girlfriend, uh, Donna Lisa, she has been in the cosmetics field since 2012, making her own range of body oils, soaps, body butters, and all kinds of luxurious um, skincare products. And I... I convinced her to start experimenting with the sargassum. So I was actually preparing the sargassum, harvesting it here in Tobago, treating it according to what I was hearing in these conferences, and then giving her this raw um, sargassum input in the form of sort of like a powder. And then she started integrating it into some products. And we were testing it out with our friends and family over the course of about a year, a year to two years. And then... The Inter-American Development Bank had uh, an ideas competition specifically for Tobago. It was called the Tobago Blue Economy Ideas Competition. They were basically making grant funding available for ideas. So we said, you know what? We're not, we're not silly. Let's, let's put forward our idea. And we pitched our idea to do sargassum-based cosmetics. Um, and we were among six entities that were selected in Tobago to receive grant funding. And that is how we got our, our start, um, thanks to IDB funds and thanks to just the idea and experimenting at home. 
have you launched this on the market already? Yes, so we did a, a, a soft launch in Tobago on um, the 30th of August. The IDB, once again, they were holding an event in, in Scarborough known as the Chair Fair. And so we took that opportunity to launch our Spargasm brand. Spargasm basically is a cross between spa, the spa products, and Sargassum. And we got some really good feedback at that launch. Um, Minister of Planning and Development, Penelope Beckles, was there. THG Secretary um, Farley Augustus was there. A lot of people came in. And so we were able to actually introduce our product line to, to visitors on that day. And we got some fantastic reviews. So that was our our key launch in Tobago. And then we had another soft launch in Trinidad um, just last week at um, another girlfriend. You know, we do believe in supporting each other as small business owners. And um, our girlfriend, Natika Singh Chedi, who has signature collection out in Atlantic Plaza in Cuba, she welcomed us to her store last week and again we were able to sample with visitors her regular clients but also walk-in clients and introduce them to spa gas and brands so we have launched but we are still working on the distribution we're still rolling out that strategy as you would know jody you've been there you've done that um sometimes you know you, you launch but it takes a little while until the product can get out to market fully for for retail sales so that's where we're at right now no you know, when I go to the beach and I see this air, there's this stinky seaweed that I kind of <laughs> scorn sometimes and you found some value in it. What are some of the health benefits or benefits in it being in this form that you've realized? So let me come back to that image that you've painted, Judy. Yes, the sargassum that we see washed up on the shore, it stinks. It smells horrible. But guess what? The scientists have found that when you harvest the sargassum at sea, remember this is a living organism. It's like fish. When the fish is in the sea, it's fine. Once it washes up on the shore and it dies, it starts to decompose. So so part of the science is that um, the sargassum really ideally should be harvested at sea, which is what we do. And when it is harvested at sea and we process it by washing it out, you have to wash out, you know, the salt and the, the, the sand and all of that from it. And therein, you can then access the, the nutritional um benefits of sargassum, which are basically sargassum has been found to be antifungal, it's um, antibacterial, it's also antioxidant, meaning that it can slow down um, the aging process. So whether you're eating sargassum, as, as some of us do in Tobago, um, eat, or whether... Eat, eat, eating <laughs> what you said. Yes, I so I have been eating sargassum since 2017. And you know, if you look if you look culturally across the globe, you'll know like in in Asia, East Asia in particular, they eat seaweed. Let's just think about the the parallel between, you know, our seamoss. We love we love to drink seamoss here. It is a family of the sargassum. You know, that's nothing new to us. We drink our seamoss, we put our seamoss, blend it into punch and all that kinds of stuff because of the nutritional value. Well, the sargassum is a variety of seaweed and it has those nutritional um compounds and elements as well. So yes, it can be eaten. Um, it is not being done so commercially right now in the Caribbean region because the we, we haven't yet gotten a, a taste for it. But I could tell you in Mexico and based on based on the science that's out, they are developing fantastic products including gelatin using gelatin out of the sargassum they are integrating it into crackers i have done my own experiments um with the, the raw sargassum um I, I i clip off the leaves not the stems but the leaves and i integrate it into pizza dough i have made um included it into brownies i've included it into lasagna and even pastels last year christmas i was experimenting with um, a mix of soya and sargassum pastels so yes, it can be eaten, and in the case of spargassum, it can be used on the skin. Um, it does have the antioxidant feature, so it helps to, to slow down the aging process. Now, I can't make that claim specifically for my product because my product is just launched. My product hasn't been around long enough to be able to make such claims, but the science that's out says that uh, the sargassum does have an anti-aging effect. So I, I want to get back to this. You're telling me that I could go out into the sea. Mm -hmm. I can get this sargassum seaweed. I can pluck the leaves off of it and just wash it and start incorporating it into foods. Yes. 
put a little salt and pepper on it, maybe some olive oil. But yes, I have friends. I have, you know, in Tobago, there's quite a, a growing vegan community. And they they eat the sargassum leaves like that, like a salad. Yes. That's actually quite interesting. <laughs> no, my, my next question is, you're telling me that you have to you get collect the seaweed that is out at sea. Does this mean that you have to go onto a boat and collect it yourself? Or do you have something in place to help collect this? So right now, we are very much um, at the starting phase of our cottage industry. And, you know, I, I, I insist on this because I'm very, I am very sentimental about beginnings. Uh, you know, the Bible speaks of not despising humble and small beginnings. So we, we have started very humble and small in our kitchen, my, my business partner and I. But essentially, um, what we have done, because I, again, I live very near to the beach in Tobago, I just go into the water, like waist high, with a bag and I collect the sargassum that's there. So of course, it, even while it's in the water, it is gonna be mixed up with some elements of sand and salt. So what we do, our processing is that we wash it out thoroughly with um, rain water. That's a very important part of the processing because we don't wanna get the chlorine water mixed into it. So we use rain water, you know, rain water harvesting is a big thing in Tobago. Almost everybody, if you drive around countryside, people have their water tank and they're collecting water off the rooftop. So we, we, we wash it out thoroughly with the rain water. And then guess what? We use the sun. We use the sun to dry it out in the open. There's no heat, um, you know, what should I say? There's no other heat treatment that's applied. It is all natural. And that is what you can use. Grind it in your, blend, your blender in your kitchen. Grind it down into a, a more granular form. And you can mix that into, like I said, I, I used it in, in pastels. I used it in um, lasagna and mixed it into the, the rest of the filling for my lasagna. So, yeah, experimented with it at home. I am still around. Um, I would say, uh, and as a note of caution, some of the research coming out of Mexico, and remember, Gulf of Mexico, you have a lot of oil and gas exploration out there. So a lot of the research that we're seeing does um, caution about the presence of heavy metals. And, and I, 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 I say this because in the Caribbean, particularly South Caribbean, where we are, we don't have the same profile of water and water pollution, thankfully. So we don't have um, that level of concentration of heavy metals in the sargassum that we find down down in our region. And we know this because we have sent samples of our product. We've sent samples of the sargassum for testing um, out to the UE lab in, in Jamaica. So we have that, that guarantee and that reassurance that what we are using here in the Southern Caribbean, it is, it is clean, it is fit for consumption. Um, that may be different or is different to what you'll find out in the Gulf of Mexico. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back. It is 20 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock and we go right back to Mr. White and agribusiness innovation. Rick, I want to know how important is it for you as you design your packaging, people in different markets, being able to create a package that could appeal to people who are, who speak French, who speak Spanish. Are you incorporating that from now? I love the question, Jody. And Again, we we are very humble in our beginnings. We we ain't reached there yet, but uh, what we what we are um, keen to do is to have a made in Caricom label. You know, we've often heard debates in the Car Caribbean region about the the, the Caribbean. Um, Caricom single market and economy and everybody want to do their own thing made in Trinidad, made in Jamaica, made in Grenada, made in Tobago. We are actually aiming for a made in Caricom label because as of next year, March, that whole freedom of movement is going to be reality. So um, before we get ahead of ourselves in terms of packaging in French and Spanish, which yes, we would want to get there eventually, but we're taking it slow. We, we, we crawling. We just, you know, we just kind of balancing our, on our little wobbly legs right now. But um, yes, we will get there eventually. And of course we do want to appeal to not just the Caribbean market, um, but the international market. Um, we already have conversations right now with potential distributors in 
the US in California, to be precise. Um, I got a message yesterday from someone who is interested in representing us out in Brazil. Um, but the truth of the matter is right now, right now, we cannot supply the potential demand. So we are looking into getting assistance to scale up our production. And again, you are very familiar with this from all of your, your cassava chronicles. Um, so we have to focus right now, even though we just started, we need to focus on scaling up and getting our processes in such a way that we can actually um, satisfy the demand that we, we anticipate very soon. I'm going to stray a little bit, uh, and you are the expert of experts when it comes to this. We have a lot of people who have businesses that would like to, you know, have their packages in different languages. Mm -hmm. What is the importance of hiring someone trained in languages versus just copy and pasting your packaging into an online translator? Well, thank you for Jody that and you're not straying at all. This is actually the heart of the matter. Uh, and I love the opportunity to answer this question. Yes, you have a lot of um, online tools and of course, artificial intelligence does help a lot. I as a translator, I also use artificial intelligence, but I'll tell you, it cannot and it has not yet replaced the human touch and the human feel for the simple reason that those translation um, platforms and so forth online google translate and so they are basically tapping into a body of what we call the you know the corpus of, of vocabulary that exists mainly in english and so you will get some some things sometimes get lost in translation to be sincere and that's why you need to have a human translator who is trained and certified and who can get the nuances of the language to make sure you don't end up with you know some foolish translations, but also translations that could even be offensive, um, depending on, on, on what it is. So I would suggest to persons, if you are serious about getting into um, markets where English or your your native tongue is not the native tongue, um, get get a professional. It It is a cost, but you should see that cost as, a, as an investment in your business in getting it right from the start. I do often translate labels um and i could tell you some people they, they don't understand why a small little label with maybe under 100 words why it costs so much because it's not that you're charging per word you're charging for the work that goes into rendering into a foreign language something that is going to be culturally appropriate and culturally pertinent and that can be understood with the meaning that is intended. It's not about a literal word for word translation that you'll get off of Google Translate, for example. So by all means, I would encourage business persons who are serious about getting into the um, Spanish, French, Portuguese, and other foreign language markets, get, get a translator, and you can use the same on, online tools to reach out to qualified translators. I have my own agency based here in Tobago, but for more exotic languages, um, I, I quite like to use LinkedIn, that platform to make new business contacts. It's very useful, and you can vet people on that platform to see if they're suitable for your needs. And to go a little bit further on that, uh, I was told that depending on the territories that you are entering, Spanish in the different territories or French in the different territories, the nuances of the translations could also be different. That is correct. That is true. So, for example, you have French-speaking Quebec in Canada, where their vocabulary and a lot of their terminology is very different from the French that you'd find in, in France, and, and which is also a bit different sometimes from the French that we have in our neighboring Caribbean islands of Martinique, Guadeloupe, and even Haiti, where you have two languages. They are actually bilingual. These countries, they have French and they have their Creole as their native languages. So you do want to be very um, careful and know your target market. If it is you are specifically targeting Canada, then you want to get a, a Quebecois, um, preferably to do those translations for you. Uh, I'll tell you in my case, uh, although I master French, 
I would not take on a translation that is targeting the French-Canadian market because I don't master that French. I will pass it on to a colleague. I have trusted colleagues that I collaborate with. If it's for the French-West Indian market, yes, I'll tell you. I am your I am your resource. I know what I'm telling you. And I could go even further than your labeling. I could help you, you know, get into those markets because I'm, I've lived there and I'm familiar with those markets. So that is a very important point you've made, Judy. You need to know your market to know what is the actual language that you need to be using on your labels. How familiar are other territories with sargassum seaweed? Like if you're going to the US and you mention it, are people familiar with this thing? So I'll tell you, um, Mexico is a big, big deal in Mexico. And the Mexican government is actually, I would say the out front, they are among the leaders in terms of um, sponsoring, financing sargassum research. And a lot of the research that has been coming out about sargassum, it's either Mexican scientists or scientists who are working within the Gulf of Mexico doing their sampling in that geographical area and making their research available to the world. Um, initially, a lot of that research would have been available only in Spanish. But like I said to you, in recent times, that that um, all of the data has been made available in English. And so, you know, the rest of the world can actually Google it and see what's what's online. Um, in Mexico, and I really highlight Mexico because it was the government of Mexico who sponsored uh, this series of webinars for Caribbean scientists through the Association of Caribbean States, which is headquartered in Port of Spain, Trinidad. Imagine we have a big organization like the ACS in Port of Spain, which hosted these, it's a series of webinars on sargassum research. And we had scientists from around the region, scientists and policymakers as well, technocrats from around the Caribbean region, English, French, Spanish speaking region, who participated in those webinars. But very little information, I would say, was circulated after that in the public domain. Um, so. Mexico is definitely a forerunner. Um, we have like Antigua Barbuda. Uh, the, their government has um, taken another step further. They are actually exporting the raw sargassum seaweed out to Finland. There's a company in Finland that is doing research in biofuels. And so the government of Antigua and Barbuda, they now have a partnership in place whereby they ship out, they they, they harvest what is coming up on the shoreline. Because remember, these are um, tourism-based economies. They, they don't want to be entertaining sargassum, choking up the nice sandy beaches. No, no, no. So they found a way to get rid of that sargassum. They ship it off to Finland where it's being processed into biofuel. You have some some other initiatives coming out of Barbados, uh, St. Lucia, Jamaica, in terms of sargassum-based fertilizers, which are organic fertilizers. Uh, there's also a company in Barbados that's doing sargassum-based cosmetics. So in other Caribbean countries, they know about it based into wealth. But I think what has happened with us here in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, the usual oil and gas scenario. We are so focused on our oil and gas that I don't think we are really paying close attention to diversifying the economy. I say this not as an economist, but as a, a citizen, citizen public. Um, and I think, you know, we need to pay greater attention to the resources that are actually available to us that we can use and turn it around, turn waste into wealth. Wonderful. So now it's 10.30. We have our second commercial break coming up. And when we get back, we dive a little bit deeper again into this sargassum value-added products that you've created. My pleasure. October 15th, 2023, get ready for RBC Race for Kids, starting at RBC St. Clair and ending at QRC. Start time, 5.45 a.m. The RBC Race for the Kids is a compelling series of global charitable runs supporting children's causes that started as a single race in New York in 2009. RBC Race for the Kids has grown into a series of 25-plus family fun races that take place around the world. More than 360,000 participants have raised over $82 million for youth charities across the globe. Come and support in your numbers. That's happening this weekend. And also 
The Trinidad and Tobago Manufacturers Association is back with their second small and medium enterprise pop-up shop on Saturday, November 25th at the Mahatma Gandhi Institute for Cultural Cooperation, Mount Hope, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Join us for a day of that is packed with excitement. They've got goodies from 52 incredible SMEs, face painting, and bouncy castle for the kids, plus giveaways and product sampling. Sufficient parking is available, and don't miss TTMA's second small and medium enterprise pop-up shop, Guardian Media Limited and Freedom 106.5 FM are the official media partners and is sponsored by Digicel. Southex International Expo 2023 is on at Gulf City, the largest and most important business expo in South Trinidad. The Southex International Expo will be held at the Gulf City Shopping Complex in La Romaine from Wednesday 4th to Sunday 8th October. The Trade Expo will be open absolutely free to the public from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. Thousands of exciting products will be on display and you will be able to check out the latest developments from almost every aspect of business. On Sunday 8th October, our signature car and truck show will be held featuring some of the world's most expensive and exotic vehicles. The Southex International Expo, Gulf City Shopping Complex, La Romaine, Wednesday 4th to Sunday 8th October. Contact them at 735-7503 or 789-3874 or you can email them Southex events at gmail.com southx 2023 is sponsored by southern medical clinic and jerry's car parts warehouse limited the rbc race for the kids is on october 15th and if you're not registered you can do so this saturday october 7th from 11 a.m to 3 p.m at long circular mall rbc race for the kids october 15th register at rbc race for the kids tt.com and pay with your debit or credit card or visit rbc shawanas St. Clair, Trinity, and Scarborough. It's a family fun race. What is cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency is a type of virtual or digital currency that works on blockchain technology and is designed to work as payment for goods and services online. The most popular cryptocurrency being Bitcoin. Although it sounds similar to other payment services such as PayPal, Cash App, Google and Apple Play, cryptocurrency is decentralized and is free from third-party interference, meaning it is not issued or controlled by any government or bank. So transactions never fail. At this time, one Bitcoin is worth $21,261.40 US. That's $141,310.83 TT dollars. Do you want to learn more about the world around you? The stories of the world have the power to transform our lives every day. Tune in to Freedom 106.5 FM daily or log on to tbcradionetwork.co.tt forward slash Freedom 106.5 for Freedom Moments. Freedom Moments. Explore the world with us, then speak your mind on Freedom 106.5 FM. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all new talk radio freedom 106.5 welcome back it is 10 35 in the nation's capital and we head right back to agribusiness innovation so janik i see you have two types of body oils you have male and female and you also have the soap right. what is the company's branding really going to be are you going to be a company that's eco-friendly in terms of you're focusing on the seaweed or is it you know what what is the positioning of this brand going to be thanks for that question judy and you know again coming back to the beginnings we looked at waste and we want to turn it into wealth for our communities so we are also conscious about the packaging right now as our first iteration of packaging um we are using what's available in terms of plastic for the soup but we are looking into sargassum packaging in itself because it is possible to make paper packaging out of the same sargassum and so we are teaming up with a company that's doing it to be able to have not just the product in sargassum but also the packaging out of sargassum and in the medium term we hope that we'll be able to make the sargassum packaging available to other companies that want to to opt for a more eco-friendly packaging solution 
what's the difference with this between the male body oil and the female body oil that you have? Great. So it's actually a matter of fragrance. The the oils themselves are made of what we call base oils, and there's no secret to it. The the label tells you everything that's in there. It's a blend, an exquisite blend of um, sweet almond oil, sunflower oil, vitamin E oil, as well as we have some turmeric in there in the female one. Now turmeric is anti-inflammatory, so it really does have nutritional benefits the skin and also olive oil olive oil which um is a very moisturizing oil and we add fragrances now the fragrance is the trade secret i can't tell you what the fragrance is but it's the fragrance that gives the distinction between what we have labeled as the female oil what we've labeled as the male oil but i will tell you there are many of our female clients when we did the sampling publicly a lot of the women who were testing enjoyed the male oil for themselves because it has a very clean fresh almost unisex um, kind of scent so although we've labeled it male and the men some of the men have been telling us uh they like it for their beard as well so we we label it as a body oil but you know what trainees do their own thing any which way so the men are saying it's a good beard oil and um we also know that people are using it for massages it's it's a very um, very rich type of oil that can be used for massage as well. You know, this is interesting eh, because we see this, this seaweed and it's like waste and people don't know the extent of use. And something like baby powder, I mean, a lot of people do like the commercial mm. tag powders that are available. And the alternative is that there are actually cassava starch powders that I use for babies and people don't realize what they're using. So it's quite interesting if you've gone there down you this, go. There this, you go. This this route to get this. Now, what's your plan for scaling this up? Well, I can't divulge too much of it right now because we are very much in those discussions. What I can say is that we have benefited from technical assistance and I really want to take the opportunity to, to, to thank publicly um, the IDB uh, not just for the funding, but for the technical assistance and guidance that they've provided. Also, the networking, they've been able to put us in contact with uh, Caribbean-wide agencies, including Kariri, our own Kariri, um, Caribbean Industrial Research um, Institute in Trinidad, but also Compete Caribbean that's based out in Barbados. So we are in some conversations currently. I can't say very much more, but really, um, I want to just encourage entrepreneurs who are listening as humble as your beginnings may be you're starting out in your kitchen just like just like my business partner and 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 i are starting in our kitchen listen there is scope and there is a way to scale up you just have to know how to ask for help i think sometimes we get bogged down in thinking that we have to do everything for ourselves i want to challenge that thinking I want to challenge that thinking where people have a lack of trust about, you know, trusting others to help along the way. Yes, you have to be wise and discerning in who you trust, but ultimately, you know, no man is an island and you're not going to go very far. You're not going to grow very big. If you try to do everything on your own, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to be depriving yourself of of the brainstorming and the possibilities and the ideas that other people can bring to the table. So I think it's really important to highlight that as we are contemplating scaling up and planning for it and getting ourselves into a position where we don't have to do everything ourselves because we can't. So we are relying on the agencies that have been around for a while that do have um, expertise in that area that can guide us. And also in terms of funding, you know, we are reaching out to, to potential investors, angel investors who really, quite frankly, they just like the fact that <laughs> two women got together, saw this thing floating up on the beach and decided to do something with it. It's a very um, passionate story. Uh, and I think that's what investors buy into, not just the idea, but they buy into the fact that we are passionate about what we're doing. Being from Tobago, I'm going to push a little bit further and ask, mm -hmm. do you want this scaled up version to be manufactured in Tobago? 
So, so let me say, I am, I am from Trinidad. I live in Tobago. I made that choice. But yes, the product is actually being manufactured in both islands. As I mentioned earlier, um, the sargassum is harvested in Tobago. I do the first part of the processing. And then the second part of the processing is done by my business partner in Trinidad. So it literally is a product that is manufactured on both islands. But in terms of the scaling up, um, Jody, we're not attached to, to, to staying here in Trinidad or Tobago, you know. Uh, as I said earlier, we have our eyes set on being a CARICOM brand. We both um, believe very strongly in Caribbean integration. We want to see our Caribbean people develop to our fullest potential. And so if we partner with, I don't know, a soap company out in Dominica, or a fertilizer company out in Jamaica or elsewhere, uh, we are happy to be working with our Caribbean neighbors to really make this whole Caribbean dream a reality. I think it's 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 CARICOM celebrated 50 years uh, on the 4th of July this year. Uh, and I think we have a generation of Caribbean citizens right now who are hungry for, for that deeper integration that our forefathers spoke about that didn't quite achieve it. Um, and I'm speaking specifically about the currency integration, how annoying is it to do business in the Caribbean where you have to go from one country, which is the TT dollar, you hop next door is the EC dollar, then you hop next door is the Bajan dollar, you go L. All too many currencies in our small, small region. We need to be pushing towards integrated currency or integrated movement so that we can make business easier among ourselves. And then CARICOM as a region could, could really stand up on the, on the globe and say, well, hey, you, are, you European Union, you North America, you are trading with CARICOM, the Caribbean community. That's that's a plug that I want to make this morning. Have you had any reluctance from people to try this, people who are not familiar with it? You know what, Judy? There has been one, one person, only one. <laughs> um, one person who came to the booth on the launch uh, in Tobago, he himself was very well informed and we had a very deep discussion probably for about half an hour and he was taking me to task about um, heavy metal concentration in sargassum and so forth and I listened very patiently. Um, he was well informed but I had to tell him at the end of his long speech that all of the data that he was presenting to me was based on samples that were, were coming from the Gulf of Mexico. And, and, you know, it's easy to look online and, and be overwhelmed by, by the data that's available, but you have to use common sense. And the common sense says, obviously, if you're taking sargassum from a region where you have a lot of oil and gas production and heavy pollution coming into that zone, obviously you're going to find um, heavy traces of, 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 of heavy metals, what is known as heavy metals like mercury. These things are indeed poisonous, not just to us humans, but to the fish that live in the waters. So I am, I'm very um, comfortable saying this publicly. We are harvesting our sargassum in the Southern Caribbean. The currents bring it um, you know, through different channels. And so we, the, the samples that we have here in particular around Tobago, um, they are much healthier samples and we have tested certification that it is safe for human um, for, for consumption. And so we're very comfortable with that. So that one gentleman who hesitated to, um, to use the product, it's okay, it's all right, but we are here to educate as well and we encourage people to do your own experiments at home try it in your garden try the try the sargassum mulch in your garden look and see the effect that it has on on the bachaks in the garden that's one thing i started off doing for example you know i had that same problem with cassava because we see these articles being written in the u.s about cassava being toxic and it will kill you and i'm like hey okay you're talking about possibly certain types of cassava in mm -hmm. other regions here in the Caribbean mm -hmm. is totally different. You could actually eat some cassava raw and it's not going correct. to kill you. Correct, so uh, correct. And of course, you would know, Judy, that has to do with the soil profile. I mean, it's just common sense again. Obviously, if you are in the U.S. or places where they use a lot of heavy chemical pesticides to, 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 to control the pests, obviously that is going to drain off into the root crops. That's just obvious. It's common sense. The so same thing with, with the sargassum here. You know, we have the privilege. I mean, look at it. When you, when you look at the map, there's nothing between our Caribbean archipelago and the western coast of Africa. There's no there's no landmass between us. So basically all that's coming to our Atlantic shoreline is 
pure unadulterated sargassum would have been floating around the, 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 the ocean with the currents, with the fish, with whatever else is in there. But we're not getting that, um, you know, heavy concentration of heavy metals in, in the sargassum that's coming to us, particularly on the Atlantic coastline. Being an entrepreneur, this is the first, um, well, I mean, you have your own business otherwise, but is this the first manufacturing business you've opened? So it's the second manufacturing. Um, last year with my family, we started up a company called Pastel Perfect. Um, this was in tribute to my mom who passed away. And my mom was really known as the pastel queen in the family. And last year, Christmas, or the year before, I'm forgetting now. Basically, the family, when mom passed, passed away, everybody turned around after the grieving period. Everybody was like, so where are we getting pastels from this year? And Margaret is not here to make pastels. And everybody looked at me because I was the one who learned to make pastels with my mom. So we, with my siblings, um, we set up a company called Pastel Perfect. That was our first family business venture. And we were gearing up for, of course, you know, Christmas season. It's very much a seasonal um, business. But that was our first business venture. And then this one's... Um, Jelly Petty. So the company's name is Jelly Petty, but our brand name is Pagasam. This is now uh, my second, well, third entity, actually. Um, and so, yeah, I'm starting to think that apparently I was meant for business. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 and, you and I are both middle-aged. What is it like opening a business at this point in your life? <laughs> well, Jody, I have to ask you, what do you mean by middle-aged? Middle of what? <laughs> <laughs> I plan to be around. I, I, I plan to be around for quite a while, you know, God willing. But I'm um, I'm in my forties and proudly so. I, I I I am grateful for every day of life that I'm gifted on planet Earth. Um, starting a business at this age, what I would say is, I didn't know I was going to start a business when I started my first business. I was very merrily um, working with the United Nations. Actually, that was my first, my last job. Um, uh, as an employee, and I was very happy doing what I was doing, enjoying not just my job, but where where I was working. Uh, I didn't know I was going to become an entrepreneur, uh, just circumstances uh, with such that this is what I felt moved to do. And I came back home to Tobago in the midst of COVID and started up my interpreting and translation business. Um, but specifically to your question, how is it? Um, I I have been enjoying myself. I've been enjoying the freedom of just going after the things that I love, the things I'm passionate about. Um, yes, there's the flip side of just not knowing that there's a, a great degree of uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. Um, when you don't know when your client is going to pay you, you don't know if your supplier is going to deliver what you need on time. Uh, you don't know if they're going to get the order right. There's so many variables that could um, could add to your stress levels. But I would say, by and large, it's been great starting business at my age of 47, well, 45 at the time, um, because I feel like I'm in a stage in life where I know myself, I know, I know my strengths, I have a solid enough network of people around me who uh, can support me when I ask for help. And I think those are resources that um, are very important to acknowledge, resources that you may not have access to in the younger days. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that you may not have that same kind of network around you in your younger days because you're still coming into yourself. You're still figuring out who you are and what you want to do on this earth. So I think we are at the right age, not not merely the right age but the right age to, to start business because we've amassed um the experience of living you know there's so many things you learn from just living that school of hard knocks the proverbial school of hard knocks where you know you get uh thrown over you fall on your knees you pick yourself up you dust off your knees and you keep going again i think we are um more mature at this age to be able to deal with failure or perceived failure we are more mature to be able to deal with rejection. You know, that proverbial no. When you, you, you're you going after a sale and the prospective client says no, um, I have taken note to me next opportunity. And so that really motivates me to continue going along this entrepreneurial path because I, I fully believe that what I'm offering is a solution to, to our problem. 
And as long as I continue to offer a solution to a problem that people have, then they're going to want to come to me to tap into the solution that I provide to them. You're in a partnership. Um, we had a discussion on this show previously about setting up a business and mm -hmm. the risks of being in a partnership. Is there anything that you would have done at the start that mm -hmm. you believe helps this partnership run smoothly? So let me say that I have the distinct privilege of being in business on the one hand with friends, uh, people that I trust, and also being in business with family, um, people who I also trust. Uh, and I know we live in a world nowadays where, um, you know, sometimes people say, <laughs> you know, you don't know who you could really trust, right? Trust in God. Um, and I do trust in God first and foremost, let me just say that. But what have I done to promote a good business relationship? Um, being transparent from the start on what your goals are. In the case of, of Jelly Petty, which gave birth to the Spargasm brand, this really was for us, for both of us partners, it was like a divine directive. We, we, we had a vision of what we should be doing together. And we saw the strength of the other person, my business partner, who's the one who does all of the formulations. She's the cosmetic queen. Don't ask me to, to, to formulate anything. I don't know anything about that. I know how to use it and I know what it feels like when I use it and it feels good. I, however, I know how to process this orgasm because I've, I've, I've literally absorbed that from the, from the experts. So I think it's important to recognize the strength and weaknesses of your partner so that you can play off of each other's strengths and 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 not have a a, a spirit of um you know confusion or, or or envy i think that is something that can can seep into a partnership because we're human beings we're not we're not robots we have feelings people can get hurt people can feel like they're not you know getting their fair share out of a partnership and i think it's important to be transparent um in your goals from the start but also to be transparent um in how you communicate when when things aren't going as as you hoped that's i think that's the key to the partnership not just business partnership any kind of partnership whether it's your relationship or, or otherwise if i meet you in 10 years and i ask you so how did, is this business going now where do you want to be at that point I love manifesting, Jody, and I am very cautious about the words that I speak. So I always speak positive. And in 10 years from now, um, 2033, we're going to be a globally recognized brand. Just remember the name, Spargasm. You're going to see us in the four-star, five-star hotels around the globe. You're going to see us in Dubai. You're going to see us in Beverly Hills. You're going to see us in rising economies in Africa. We're going to be a well sought after brand coming from the CARICOM, Caribbean community. As I said earlier, I'm not necessarily attached to made in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm a proud Trini, but I am much more fervent about recognizing the Caribbean region. We have an abundance of talent in this region that is not being developed its fullest potential. I want the Caribbean community to be on the global map, that when people see our product out in, I like to call Dubai, out in Dubai in some in the Burj Khalifa or you know other grand hotels, Four Seasons hotels and so forth, Bali resort destinations around the world, that's where you're gonna see our brand. And I want people to, to pay attention that this is a brand that came from the small little Caribbean region that's every year gets knocked over by hurricanes, that has volcanoes exploding, sending people running helter-skelter. I want people to know that in the Caribbean, we are a resilient people. We know what it is to, 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 to be completely flattened, flawed, and to pick ourselves up and keep going again. Um, you know, I, I, I say this, and I, I, if I could only describe what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, we have our history of slavery that's being spoken about now very much um, in international circles with the whole reparations movement. Our Caribbean leaders are standing up um, and saying, listen, we, we need to talk about this whole 
uh, slavery period that happened and what it has done to our resources, which drained our resources in the Caribbean. And yes, we are asking for compensation. I want Spa Gassam brand to be part of that conversation to show that, listen, this is what can come out of a region that has been depleted of its resources. Good can come out of it. It's just a matter of our mindset. We need to, like Bob Marley said, you know, emancipate ourselves from mental slavery and go beyond that. We're not slaves anymore. We are descendants of slaves, but we're not slaves anymore. We have the free will. We have the capacity to, to develop and to shine on the global stage. So if we want to buy these products now, where can we get them? So currently we are available at Signature Collection that is in Atlantic Plaza in Cuba. Now I know there's some folks listening who don't cross, they don't cross the, the lighthouse, they don't cross the Karani Bridge, but I'm telling you it's worth the drive to go to Cuba. I know the South and Central people are much more um, much more <laughs> flexible in terms of where they go. Um, but we are really happy to partner with um, another girlfriend, Natika Singh Chedi, who has been doing phenomenal work as the sole representative in the Caribbean of the Parfum de Mali. That's a French niche market um, perfume. Um, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Very big French brand. Um, and so she is our sanctuary in Cuba. Our products are available there. Um, and we are currently working on our online store. It's not yet, it's not yet built out. We, will, we, we launched just one month ago, so give us a little time. We're getting there. But um, by all means, look out for us on social media. We are at Spargasm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, do link with us there and follow our story. We're going to be rolling out the distribution soon. We're going to be rolling out some more products soon. We are in another phase of, of research right now. So follow us on the socials, Instagram and Facebook, and then you, you'll know um, when and where our products can be more widely available. Thank you very much. Janique, this brings us to the end of this show. Thank you for being a guest. We wish you all the best, all the success. And to our listeners, look out for the brand. They are in stores. And they. I think you'll be at pop-ups coming up over, over the next few months here and there. So once Strate you see that... Strategically. Strategically, yes. We're looking into that, yes. <laughs> for sure. So look out for them. Try the products out. I know I definitely will. Uh, that location in Cuba is literally five minutes from me, so I will go check it out. Go check out Natika. Yes, Signature Collection. <laughs> Thank you so much, Judy, for your passion as well and sharing your knowledge, your insights with, with the world through your program. I, I really want to commend you on what you've been doing. We appreciate that. Thank you much, listeners. Hear, hear from us next week. Agribusiness Innovation. We might have something very special next week, so stay tuned. <laughs> The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.